All right. Oh. Let's go again. Hey, uh, if you've got a Bible, you're going to bring it out this morning. Uh, get it up on your phone. If you're like, really? Yes, really. Uh, we're going to be in like 12 different passages this morning. Uh, specifically camped out in Ephesians 4. As uh, those of you who are just joining with us, we've been in a series on Ephesians. Uh, we have finally crawled our way to chapter 4, and uh, we will start in verse 17. I've got a lot to read this morning, so we'll, we'll jump right in to God's Word. Ephesians 4, chapter 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor." For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Rather, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's word this morning. And holy moly, I'm glad it's God's word. I mean, the futility of their minds, ignorance, deceitful desires, so speak the truth with corrupting talk. Give grace. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Slander. Be kind. Am I the only person nervous about the sermon today? You think there might be a word for us in this today, 2021? Maybe I should pray. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on us. I mean, you've written texts like this not to... Not to beat up your people, but God, to build your people. To build us, God. As you've said, I mean, we've, we've been made in your likeness, Jesus. And so would this word wash over us? Would it, um, would it enlighten us, God? Would it draw us into what we need, whether that's repentance, whether that's encouragement, whether that's joy? God, open us up. Like a good doctor, God, be willing to cut on us to cut out that which is killing us. And may we surrender, God, to your word here this morning, knowing that we don't sit over it, we don't sit beside it, but God, we sit under it. That it is meant to, <laughs> to inform us, change us, deliver to us truth, real, actual truth. 
we surrender to it here this morning as we trust it. God, we have to trust this. It's in this name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. I know you thought I'd be Tanner. Um, we've been in Hawaii for a couple weeks uh, and got back, and, uh, and so I've missed a couple Sundays. Uh, here, at least, we went to church, just not here. Uh, church is different in Hawaii. Anyways, um, but, uh, but this lesson, uh, in this trip, uh, just a lesson in shedding off the old self. Uh, right, and putting on the new, right? I mean, I got there, and I'm like, I'm shedding these jeans. It's time for a swimsuit. Putting on the new thing, all right? Uh, right, putting off meetings and putting on brunch. Uh, I mean, we were putting off all kinds of stuff. Even this morning, uh, I was taking a shower, and I was literally shedding off my old skin uh, right off the shoulders. It was just, you know how it just kind of peels and rolls off my shoulders, just peeling. I'm like, this is it. I'm doing it this morning, Lord. Amen to your truth. I am shedding off uh, the old self. I went to someone else's church, and I got to sit there in the pew. He had no idea who I was, and I just judged everything he did. It was beautiful. Um, I was like, that's a weird lighting choice. Why did you go there with James? I don't know. Maybe because you're an idiot pastor. I don't, you know, it was just great. I just, I'm just going to judge you because this is my prerogative right now. I get to do this like once every three years, just sit and judge another pastor. It was awesome, right? Um, right? I mean, pineapple, pig, and palm trees. Y'all, I'll put it on the new self. Uh, I was all over it. And then we went to the airport to leave. And I don't know what y'all know about airports right now, but they have also put on a new self. Um... And it's, it's a crazy world out there. And those of you who travel, you're like, amen, it's nuts. Uh, so we, are, we get to our plane, which was almost boarding on time, maybe like 10 minutes late. We're, uh, we're getting on the plane on the tarmac. You know, in Hawaii, you actually go out on the tarmac and walk up the little stairs and go in. And we're sitting there. We've got, by the way, we have live on this trip. So it was vacay, not vacation, right? Not the full thing, but it was a version of it. And... Uh, and we're there, uh, and we're sitting there, and we've, you know, but we, we came prepared, right? We had like a granola bar, you know, in case of the freak out, and we had, uh, the iPad had, you know, a few movies that we had the forethought to, you know, download something on it and not rely on Wi-Fi, Lord help us. And, uh, and so we're sitting there, and, and they come on the thing, hey, y'all, there's something wrong with the fuel, uh, you know, they're trying to fuel it, but it's taking too long, something's wrong with the fuel pump or whatever, and we're like, okay, great, you'll be here for maybe 20 more minutes. They made that announcement. Four more times until we were over two hours sitting there on the tarmac, in the plane, in this plane, just sitting there in the seat with a four-year-old. Literally, Liv finished Toy Story 2, sets it down, she says, have we landed yet? <laughs> this is a true story. And, and Sarah's like, oh, honey, like we haven't even left yet. And she looks up at us and she's like, do I get another movie? We're like, Yes, whatever, like whatever you want, like spin it up, you know, uh, Finding Nemo was on next, right? And so we're just sitting for two hours on the tarmac, and, uh, and two hours later, we finally take off for what is a seven-hour flight. So we've been sitting here two hours, now we've got another seven hours, uh, and, uh, and they had these state-of-the-art media centers. I mean, this was a nice, this was a Boeing 777, right? Huge. We're talking 10 you know, 10 seats wide, two aisles, big old plane with those, right, they have the remote that comes off of it. Not the old ones, that was like the weird phone, the Saved by the Bell phone that had the credit card slider on it, you know what I'm talking about? No, this is like the new, legit, like, the thing you pull off is like a gaming controller. I'm like, is there a game? Like, what is going on here? This is nuts. We're so excited. Like, we'll have something to do. Liv will have a whole new thing. We take off, you know, it has that loading thing. And they typically don't activate those things until you're up in the air after they make all of the put your mask on first stuff, right? And so we're in the air, and, and Sarah's like, hey, so when do these turn on? She's like, oh, they're not working. 
So you have 500 of these on this plane, and they're just all black mirrors, just, just sitting there. Like, don't work at all. And we're like, oh, man, we did not prepare, live for this. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, and just for us, just sitting there. I mean, what are, like, it's, it's bananas for seven hours. Like, what are y'all doing to us? Don't you know that we're Westerners? And, um, and so, like, that's going on. And then we're like, okay, well, at least... You know, they're going to deliver out the meals soon. They were told, hey, there's going to be meals provided, all that great, awesome. They're walking down the aisles. They're kind of handing stuff out, you know, the little boxes of, like, Lord knows what. And so they're just asking everyone as they come up to us, uh, you know, turkey or veggie wrap? Turkey or veggie wrap? I'm like, why do you even make ve-? Anyways, and so they're asking us. They're coming down the whole aisle, uh, and they get right to us, like right to us. This is true story. Right at us. And we're like, turkey all the way. They're like, we just ran out. And I'm like, I just ran out of grace. Uh, I don't even know what to do. You do not know me and what the word veggie wrap does to my soul. Uh, like, you have no idea what you've just done. And, and Sarah starts to cry. Not for herself, for Liv. Right? You think my daughter is going to eat a pimento, onion, bell pepper wrap? You had me here for nine hours. Like, what have you done? And that's when, when I saw Sarah start to cry, I was like, okay. And I was like, this, like, I can't handle it. Like, I was like, lady, I know, like, you don't have anything. I was like, here's, like, go to the first class section. I will pay for whatever there is on this plane that contains, like, a meat protein. Uh, you know, or she's like, well, what does she eat? I'm like, she's a toddler. The planet knows what she eats. Give me some gummies. I don't know. Find something. And she's like, well, does she eat nuts? And we're like, yes, but you know, meat or cheese, something like that. She's like, well, I'll see if I have some peanuts in my lunchbox. I'm like, don't you put that on me. <laughs> All right. I am not the reason that you got to go to your lunchbox and find my daughter something. Right. And so I'm indignant. I'm like, uh-uh. Uh, and so, and I was like, and so then she passes, another stewardess comes. I'm like, listen, lady, my daughter is not going to eat this. You've trapped us here on this plane for nine hours. You know, I've given her a granola bar. I have some, some backups, but like you said, you're like, I'm okay. Like I didn't eat. I'm like, I'm fine. I'd rather not eat than eat the veggie wrap. That's me. And so I didn't. Uh, like I just, I was like, I'm fine. I don't care about me, but my daughter, come on. Uh, it is on as a papa, you know, like give her this. So finally, you know, this lady comes and just very quietly, she sets down this box that looked very different from everyone else's box. And in it was this beautiful turkey sandwich, you know, and I don't know where she got it. I don't care. Uh, I don't, it maybe, you know, whatever. Moses called it down from heaven. Who knows? And, uh, and so I'm just peeling off, giving her the turkey slices. I'm like, thank the Lord. So we're still in this meal, like, but Sarah hardly ate hers. It was awful. I mean, a veggie wrap on a good day is whatever, but this, it was Bad, y'all, bad. Anyhow, uh, I mean, I'm, uh, I can spend my whole sermon here on veggie wraps and airline food. Um, and so then we're like, okay, it's getting to the time. Now it's getting late. Uh, Liv's about to need to fall asleep. You know, it's like, great. Because the plan is, any parent who knows, right, what do you do? You pull up the armrest. And then they just lay, they lay across you. It's super easy. And at this, you know, because uh, when we flew with her years and years ago, like, she was really small, and i just hold her. Uh, and it was fun. I liked that as a, you know, as a dad of only one year. Now I'm like, uh-uh, get on. Uh, get, get off of me, dad, <laughs> daddy. I brought my neck pillow, baby. Like, you need to do your own thing. So pull up the arms. I'm like trying to pull this one up. And I see the person in front of me. Theirs is up. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm an idiot. I haven't figured this out. But it takes me a while, you know, as, as someone who prides myself in being able to find the button and figure this out. You know, it's about an hour in. Finally, I'm like, all right. I asked the same stewardess. I was like, hey, you know, I'm like, this will be a trip. At least she's going to get to say yes to me here, you know. I'm like, hey, so, you know, for my daughter about to lay down, we're just, I just can't figure this out. Could you just help me out? She's like, oh, they don't in this row. 
Here's why she told me that. For plain stability. I'm like, honey, honey, let me get this straight. This Boeing 777 that has 500 seats on it is riding on the fact that this aluminum armrest doesn't raise. Like that's, that's what we're all counting on in here. This little strip of aluminum that is going to rob me of all seven hours of joy I could have had of watching The Blacklist or anything else. Now nothing. You don't know what you've just done to me, what news you've delivered. Like I almost cried at that point because I like sleep like Sarah loves food. And, and so it was just like, what are we going to do? So we're just trying. We're like They just don't raise. I'm just I'm like, had I brought a Sawzall, honey? Like, uh, I'd have been at it. And so can't do it. And so I'm just, and Liv is starting to uncontrollably fall asleep. You know what I'm talking about? We're just like, like losing it. And I'm just trying to hold her. But she's huge now. She's like this big. And I'm like, I don't know. And so I finally get her there. She falls asleep. But my arm is just like <laughs> quivering. And I can't hold. I'm like, be a dad. Be the man. You got this. But I can't do it. I'm just like quivering. Ah. And so I'm trying to move her. And she's uncomfortable. She's like falling through. And you know what? Like when you sit down, when you have to sit with your legs like this, Eventually, they were just starting to go too, like total quivering out, right? What was that thing? The thigh master. It was like a, it was like a nine-hour thigh master that I just couldn't quite hold. I'm just, just trying to hold together. Lives like slipping through me down under. We just could not. For, literally, it was like seven hours of this. Like I could not hold her right, and she was in and out like every 20 minutes, and it was so terrible. And I'm like, okay, well, what if we? Let's get some blankets and pillows. We'll figure that out so she won't have to lean up against that harsh armrest, and we can maybe put my back back here. Oh, y'all, we're getting creative. And so we ask them, hey, can we just get some blankets and maybe some pillows? Oh, we don't have any. Like, what the heck has happened on these flights? I had a blanket on the way over. United did. Uh, and I won't name names, but American Airlines just really messed this up. And so we're sitting there. No blankets, no pillows. Just, there's just nothing available. And I am like... This is, this is the worst flight I've ever been on. I've been on a lot of flights. I mean, I've been on some, like, third world flights in Africa, and this is the worst flight I've been on. And, uh, and so we finally land, and we're walking off. I walk through the first class section. Pillows and blankets everywhere. And I'm like, you, like, you. And then we land, and we realize we land in just enough time that our connector flight in Dallas, gone. So now we're stuck in Dallas. And at this point, we're kind of like, yep. Uh, and, and we're just going in now. Now we finally arrive. Uh, we get from Dallas eventually to Austin. But we've had to change who's picking us up. Thank you, Rob, for picking us up. Uh, and, and we go to get our luggage. You know, it's coming around. We checked a bag. And uh, I'll give you one guess. <laughs> I will give you one guess if our luggage even made it. Uh, a big fat no. But what else did we have to check because we're riding with the toddler? Car seat. Also, I don't even know where it is. Uh, in Hanalei Bay, for all I know. Uh, gone. Don't have the car seat. I'm like, how do you, okay, let me, like, it is against the law for me to leave this place. Uh, with her, at least. So I'm like, bye, y'all. I'm going to go get some sleep. No, right? We had to wait. And here's what they did. Like, you can take this loner. What do you think an airport loner car seat looks like? Uh, I mean, this thing was awful uh just pieced apart and it was a mess but we made it work made it happen and i mean it looked like it'd been whatever and so we get it all in uh we get some number to call for how to get our luggage and they were going to deliver it to us later but we had a wedding the next day that sarah's wedding dress was in for that wedding uh and we're just like what is 
so, uh, finally, we finally settle in. We get home. Uh, and, and I've, you know, at this point, I've let a few workers who don't know that I'm a pastor, you know, know how I feel. Uh, and, and that righteous fury just kind of settle in, you know, that, that righteous indignation waiting to get my recompense, at least a voucher, amen, uh, something. And I get home finally, and I'm like, I know I'm preaching Sunday. Let me open my Bible. What does it say? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Be kind to one another. Come on, Lord. Have mercy on me, right? I mean, for real. But let's be honest. This week, you felt it too. This week, you struggled with this. You saw a post. You saw a yard sign. You saw a comment, you saw a commercial, a show, you had a customer, a coworker, an email, a, friendly, a family member, a friend, a classmate, something that something happened and it set you off inside. And maybe you didn't give them a piece of your mind, but you definitely walked away hoping you would have given them all of it, right? Just thinking, I should have said well, maybe, no, I won't, but man, here's, and you just slay them in your mind with that anger, that malice, right? And here's the problem, it is so easy now, right? It is so easy to arrive there now. I mean, with little effort, we can be offended every day, right? And I am exhausted by it. Like, I don't know what happened when. Is it worse now than it was then? I don't know. I don't care. I just know that I'm tired of it. I'm tired of this being the default for our culture. I'm tired of it from being the default for me, for maybe some of you. I'm exhausted at the way that I'm seeing humans treat one another. And I hate how I catch myself feeling and thinking about others. And I'm tired of seeing divisive, divisiveness in our communities. I'm tired of seeing the wars waged on neighborhood posts. I mean, it's a joke now. Someone will say something and someone will immediately follow with a picture of someone eating popcorn about to be entertained by what's about to happen online. Fingers being pointed by reporters, by officials. I mean, friends, what is happening? I mean, just this week, I'm going to the conference, and before we even got there, I was judging every speaker about how much do I like them, how disappointed I was that that person was on and this person wasn't, and I'm so thankful that God wrecked me on that and proved me wrong. But even I'm showing up without something even happening yet, already judging it. And maybe for you, you're caught in the same place, and you're like, how did I get this way? And I realize that this is just, man, this is the zeitgeist that we're in. This is the culture of the moment that we have been planted down in, and I am being trained to react bitterly and be discontent. It is our world's default now. And I don't know about you, but I want a different path. I want something different. And I want something different, yeah, for, our, for my family, for this community, for this church. I want it for me. I want something different in my own heart, a different way to react, a different way to treat. A different way to just be. And maybe you want the same at this point. I don't want to take this into 2022. And it seems, I think part of it just seems so impossible. Like, how do you fight this beast right now? But it's time to make a different choice, friends. The good news is, is we have a different choice. Not just a different choice, but a different calling. A different calling. A calling to, as this verse says, be kind. 
Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's the interesting thing about this verse, be kind. Kind uh, comes from the root word krestos, which sounds a lot like Christos. Christos being the root word of Christ, right? Or the, the word, that's our, what our, uh, our Greek and linear is telling us at least. Um, and so it's, it's a homonym. To be kind is to be Christ. That is calling us men. Be Christos. Be like Christ. Be kind just as he forgave you. These words are powerful for us. I mean, anyone here like movie trailers? Gosh, I am cooking up here. Is it hot in here? I am burning alive. It's, that, it's the sunburn under there. It's just such a burden on me, y'all. Um, that or I'm just nervous about what I'm going to take y'all through today. Um, movie trailers, right? Uh, tell me if this sounds familiar. Occasionally, occasionally, Sarah and I will sit down to watch a, a Netflix show or something, and, and we'll go, and, and now there's this feature on there that when you hover over the tile of the show, it just starts playing like a, the trailer of it, and, which I love. I'm like, okay, cool. Like Sarah's getting ready for bed. She's brushing her teeth or something, and I'm in bed already and just like kind of panning through things. And then we will burn a whole hour just like, that show looks great. I want to check out the next trailer, though. You know, and rather than actually sit and commit to a show, like your whole night is just a series of watching all these trailers, like go through and go through and go through, and then you're like, well, that was great, you know? Uh, and the thing about trailers is this, is they essentially are telling you what that show is. And so sometimes you feel like, well, I don't even, now I get it, I got it. Um, and, uh, and that's what, uh, that's what this is, uh, and that's what a movie trailer does. Uh, one of the issues with trailers is it often just tells you what happens, um, and did you know that there is a trailer for the kingdom of God? Here, I'll film it for you right now. If I had my phone, I would just turn it around, and I would start filming all of you. God wanted people to have a sneak peek into the kingdom, and you are the plan. You're the movie trailer. Question. People are watching the film of your life. What do they think the movie's about? I mean, if you had to ask that for yourself, what does your neighbor think your movie's about? What does your coworker think that your movie's about? And God gives us a script. The script is be kind. And the rest of this morning will just be me proving that this path is not only the most impactful, but the most biblical. And path to what? To living like Christ. The path to the, to, for me, in my opinion, the, the answer to this whole cultural war issue that we find ourselves in. Be kind. This passage calls us to put on the new, to live like a changed person. And I can't think of a greater way to stand out these days than to just be kind. You will stand out. And I'm super thankful for Dr. Daryl Bach, who we listened to uh, just this week, me and the whole staff. Uh, he talked a lot about this and provided uh, some helpful passages. And so I'm citing a lot of his work. He did a lot of the work for me. Um, but, but this was so impactful for us as a staff. And so some of these things I want to share with you. And so I have a lot of scripture here, and I'm going to try to go through as quickly as I can, although I don't like the idea of rushing through the Word of God. And so I'm going to read these full passages and make my words hopefully a little fewer. Um, but this, okay, so 
How is, how is kindness our goal? Like, how, how is that the thing? Matt, you're going to uh, convince me because out there, kindness doesn't work. Uh, well, let's, let's look at this for a minute. Ephesians 6. I'm going to take some of whoever's preaching on that Sunday in the several weeks from now. Uh, I'm going to take some of their thunder uh, right now. Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is, the, this is the scripture passage of the armor of God. And it starts like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose might? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Where is our wrestling? I'll give you a hint it is not your neighbor. It is not that person that you're thinking of this whole morning of like, but that guy, that girl, that person. People aren't the problem. People are the goal. Your neighbor is not the enemy. I will say this, your neighbor has changed. Some of you, very literally, uh, my neighbor changed uh, in this season, right? There's a lot of moving around. Talked to you some even this morning where, yeah, we just moved in, right? There's been a lot of moving going on. But even the person who's been there for four years, they have changed. You know that because you have changed. These past couple years have made all of us change. That person who's lived next to you for 10, 12 years isn't the same person this year that they were two years ago. They've been told they have to pick a side, They've been told that they have to be angry about this, this, and this, and that they're supposed to celebrate this, this, and this. And so it's possible that they're a different person. And so in some ways, our job has gotten a little bit more difficult. But right, we'll hear this. We'll hear, so put on the, the armor of God, and we think it means, all right, here we go, I'm going to take that sword out. I'm going to go slay my neighbor with that one thing I know they're doing wrong or that one thing that bugs me, and I'm going to take that. I'm just going to slay them, and I'm going to use the Word of God to just grind them into something. But what is the armor of God? We're not going to read through the whole thing, but as you read down it, it's this, the belt of truth. Well, that word truth isn't just the absence of falsehood. The Greek word they use here is, is the same word that they use in John when he says, those who come to the truth come to the light. He's talking about the gospel. You wear the gospel as a belt. This truth, right? The breastplate of righteousness. But the righteousness word isn't a self-righteousness. It's the word that they use for like the justification of Christ's work on you. It's a justification that you come into this righteous as set apart by God by his atoning work. The sandals, which is the gospel of what? The gospel of damnation, the gospel of judgment, the gospel of condemnation, no, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helm of salvation, the sword of the spirit. But they're using the word pneuma here, not, not a sword of the spirit of, of malice, the sword of the spirit. Literally, the, the word in creation is used is the same word that they use where he breathed out his spirit in the land and it was formed by the very breath of God. That what comes out of us is what would the Lord have to say to them? This pneuma, the spirit, the breath of God. Look, all of the armor is, is more or less the passive work of Christ on your life. The armor of God that you suit up with to engage the world does not include opinion. It does not include political ideology. 
and it does not include preference. It almost exclusively includes the work of Christ in you. This is what you suit up with when you go to engage the culture. What Christ has done in your life. What he's done in you and through that, the outpouring of faith. The armor of God is just faith lived out. Be kind. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Let me just, some of you suffer because you're a jerk. Not because you're trying to be righteous. I'm just, that one's free. You have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. See, Matt, I'm supposed to have a defense. I got a word. Come on. I mean, the word they use here is apologia as defense. It's the same word as answer, right, where we get the word apologetics from. Is, is what they're using as defense here. It's that you have an answer. For what? For how wrong they are? No, for the hope you have. It's not wrong to be zealous. Be zealous. But if your zeal is about how much more the research backs you up, you're missing the point. And your passion might be misplaced because the point is hope. And the means is at the end there, gentleness and respect. Our answer must be packaged in respect, must be packaged in gentleness. Listen, this is a powerful word that I heard from this guy. He said, if your tone is wrong, but your words are true, you're still wrong. If your tone is wrong and your words are true, you're still wrong. Bubba, when's the last time you told Debbie that she was wrong and that just went fine? <laughs> and that was just like, that was a healthy conversation, right? Yeah, it tends to, yeah, go well, right? But then when's the last time she just looked at you and you were like, I'm wrong? Uh, yeah, this morning. Yeah, exactly, right? Because a woman has a way of being like, well, babe, if you just, you know, weren't you, everything would be so much better, right? Like, because they package it in that soft and gentle, like, oh, but, you know, and then they might cry a little bit, and you're like, well, dang it, versus us, you know, because when a man typically speaks to that there, they've been thinking it for, like, I don't know, like 13 years, and then they're finally, you know, welling that up to where it's like, you, I just can't take it anymore, and with the this and the that, right, and, was, and it's all lost, and she's like, oh, boy, right? Gentleness and respect, you can be right, but if you're not saying it right, you're wrong, and the same is true in how we engage this culture, how we engage the people. And I know, man, they are wrong out there. It's crazy world out there. I've got to just let them know. And I've got to say it this way. You can. But nothing will change. Except your heart will continue to wreck within yourself. Gosh, let's just keep going here. All right, Colossians 4. Walk in wisdom, to, uh, this is verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Man, uh, what does always mean? Yeah, there you go. Well done. So how, how, how often do you observe always? Always. See, this is the problem. 
no one wants to commit, right? Just kidding. Um, always be gracious. Always. Every time. Always be gracious. And it says, seasoned with salt. He's saying, man, the tone matters. Again, Paul is pressing in this idea. Season it with salt. Make it tasty. Right? Give it some flavor. Make it something that they are able to palate. Tone matters. I remember I grew up in Catholic church. And, uh, and we had the big church bulletin that was like nine pages long. you know, uh, and, and we had that thing. And, and there would be like announcements in there and all that mess. And, uh, and I remember looking at it, my mom p- looked over like, with it to me and, and pointed out, I was probably in like seventh grade, and she pointed this thing, and it was a like, church choir ad to join the church choir. And I remember in that moment, sitting in the pew with like, you know, all of her friends kind of around us in the area we sat, and I said, I ain't joining no choir. And as the words <laughs> came out of my mouth, I thought to myself, Matt, what have you done? Uh, why have you done this? Uh, I never talk like that. It was like this out of body, like, why did I, I just, you know, but her friends were around, so I think I might have been mad at her, so I just wanted to like, ooh, I'm going to show your friends just how bad a mom you are, right? Or something, I don't know. And, but, right, I know that never happens with your kids. Uh, but I did this to my mom, and oh, my mother, in, in a Catholic church, you need to understand, it's a little different than this. There's like, a, there's like a global accountability that even if your mom's not there, there's nine other moms willing to slap you around. And so... Like, it was this, like, as it came out of my mouth, I knew I am definitely not getting the donut after church. Like, it was just, and, uh, and so, yeah, she definitely whooped me when she didn't care about seventh grade. Yeah, that, was, that did not go well for me. Uh, it was not seasoned with salt. Uh, and so, tone, and here's the problem, it was fine. I didn't want to join choir. I was like, oh, you know what, Mom, I'm not really interested in choir. It would have been fine, that would have been the end. Because it's not the point. It's not what we're saying. That's always what we're communicating. How you say it, tone matters. Galatians 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. What does everyone mean? Come on! What does everyone mean? Everyone! Everyone! But Matt, not that. I don't care! And I don't care because the Scripture doesn't care! There is not an ambiguity in this phrase. To everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. And some people have taken this and said, oh, see, that's why it's just about us in here, not about them out there. What do you think everyone means? He's just setting aside the people in here because if we can't get it here, there's not a prayer out there. It starts here, but it bleeds out. And we do that with everyone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. No, I thought it was the ministry of judgment, of telling everyone that they're wrong. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Praise God. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through who? Through me? Through the pastor on stage? No. Through us. Through you. Jesus has given us a ministry, not of judgment, not of righting the wrongs, not of proving ourselves, but of reconciliation. And what does that mean? It means not counting their trespasses against them. 
Man, I know it's not easy. That's why being kind is courageous. That's why the easy way out is to, well, you don't know how wrong. That's the easy way. It takes no courage to do that. It takes no courage to judge someone. The true courage comes in letting Christ deal with that. The true courage comes in following it with kindness and not counting their trespasses against them. You're not the judge, but realize we have a judge. I'm not saying we don't get judged. We have a judge, and I'm not anti-judgment here. We all love the feeling of that guy zooming past in his truck on 290 and that motorcycle cop who's there every day that we know about, but the other people don't know about, right, pulling him over, right? And you just drive by, and you're like, yes, Lord, there is proof. You do exist, right? We love that. We love justice, and we desire justice. And you will be judged one day, but not by one of us, but by Jesus. And why Jesus? Well, because God gave that job to him. Because God, in one bloody ark, raked all the judgment that we all deserved onto one man, his son Jesus. And Jesus bought the loan, the spiritual loan that you defaulted on. He said, put all the judgment on me. It says that he drank the full cup of wrath, that it was all upon him. All the things that we deserve were laid upon Jesus. He bought that, so now he owns that judgment. He owns the right to judge because he took all the judgment. And that would be oppressive news if he wasn't good. But he is good, and he is gracious, and he judges us based off of what he's done for us. I mean, what kind of... What kind of loan owner does that? One who is God. And his desire is to free you, to put you on firm ground, to take that which you couldn't do for yourself and pay for it. And so judgment isn't ours. Romans 12, 19. Never avenge yourselves, dear friends, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Joseph, right, when all his brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt, Right? And they all come and they all think, oh, they finally realize who he is. They think he's going to kill them all and hold them accountable because now he has the power to do so. And he says to them, am I in the place of God? Fear not. Even Joseph in that moment knew that it wasn't his to give. Who judges? Hear this. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, manifest anger and judgmentalism is just another word for spiritual immaturity. If that's your default, it just means you're spiritually immature. I don't want that for you. I mean, what does that do for you anyways? Oh, man, I was so judgmental. That was awesome. I mean, how great do you feel when you finally finish the post and mm, sin? Does it ever give you life? 2 Timothy 2.22. Holy smokes. Sorry, y'all. All right. I promise we're going to end on a high note. Everyone, you feel everyone all right here? They're like, yeah, just keep going, man. I've got lunch. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, uh, uh, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord in a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know what they breed? You know that they breed quarrels. They do. What? And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone. Wait, what? Be kind? Interesting. Able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured 
uh, to do his will. Again, who is our battle against? Is it against flesh and blood? No. Flight might flee the snares of the devil. Also, be kind to who? Everyone. Perhaps you, oh gracious and benevolent person, may grant them repentance. What? No. It is not your job to seek repentance. That is the Lord's job. Perhaps the Lord, I think a lot of us will approach these conversations like, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them to repent for the ways against me. That's not your role. That's not your work. Perhaps God will step in and grant them repentance. They don't need your repentance. They need to be made right with God, not with you. In some ways, our jobs as Christians have never been easier. Being kind has never been so counterculture. We have a word for doing what most people do, right? When, when something's an average, what is that? What is that? It's a mean. It's called mean, the average. When you choose to react by blasting someone, by being mean, by correcting them harshly, by valuing your opinion more than that person, congratulations, you've become average. You're just like everybody else. You're mean. Way to go. You're no different. And no one's no better. Jesus has invited us to be in a ministry of reconciliation. Question, when you hear the description of the lost here in Ephesians 4, what does it stir within you? This is a great barometer for where we're at with this. Right in, in the first passage I read, right there, futility of mind, darkened in understanding. They're ignorant, hardened of heart, callous, given to sensuality, greed, impurity. They're corrupt, deceitful. Like that kind of person, what does it stir in you? Shame on us if it stirs our anger. It should break your heart. Why? Because that was you. That was you. And you didn't pull yourself up out of your hardened heart. Rather, God saw you in the mess you were in, and rather than judge you for your darkened understanding, He took on flesh. And then He flayed that flesh from His very body, forgiving the men who were doing it, set up on the cross, forgave the soldiers for nailing it into Him, forgave the thieves sitting next to Him who lived a life of crime, forgave the disciples who abandoned Him there to endure this thing all alone. That was us. He took this on. He pursued. Maybe, friends, just maybe what the world needs isn't another word about how wrong they are. But rather how loved they are in this person, this Jesus, who was willing to go to these depths to scoop them in the mire. And we just combed through like 12 books of the Bible. And there's a lot I didn't use because I was like, I just, I was like, I don't have time. Well, I didn't have time for half of that anyhow. Perhaps this isn't fringe content, but central to what it means to live out our lives as Christians. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Because Christ forgave you. Because he's forgiven you. Romans says, uh, I'll invite the band back up, um, or one of them, I don't know. Uh, we don't have another closing with a song. We get to close with baptism today, which I'm super excited about. Um, 
Romans uh, says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, speaking of the Lord Jesus. That is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repent, follow him, live for him, choose a different path. Choose a different path, friends. Be Christos. Be kind. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I mean, there's a reason why this hasn't happened yet because this is just difficult, and frankly, we just need your spirit. <laughs> we need your indwelling. We need your help. Would you do that in us? Would we just... I'm just... Frankly, God, I'm thankful for the, uh, the unity of your word. That when you speak, you don't speak uh, ambiguously, but God, you speak authoritatively. That we are to be kind. Would it be true of us, God, as we live for you? Changed and forgiven people. Amen.